What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. And yeah, definitely, I've been waiting a really long time to say that again. It's been two months since I've been on the podcast. That number seems wrong, but that's definitely (laughs) how long it's been. Um, And I just want to say thank you to all the guest hosts we had on. there's like too many. I know we had Tyler. Tyler was awesome. We had Steph. We had Tyler's sister. That was awesome. And a few other people I'm probably forgetting. But thank you so much for coming on and helping Crystal. It's a lot of workload and she's awesome. And don't forget she also works full time and she's like the multitasking queen. <laughs> and I was busy doing my own stuff and I appreciate all the prayers and all the sweet messages you guys sent me. That was really, really sweet, um, but I promise I'm not going to be, like, all mushy and cry on this episode, but just thank you, um, and I tried to be there like I could. I did do some research, and um, I just missed you guys, so I'm happy to be back, and uh, make sure you guys are following us on all of our social medias, and let us know what you want to hear next. That is what we love. We love when you guys email us, write us in on Instagram, which has actually happened a lot, mm-hmm. which is awesome because we want you guys to click on us on Sundays and be like "Ooh, this is something that I wrote in about and we're not just doing something that's been talked about like five million times and is oversaturated yeah even though we will talk about something like that if you guys ask us to well it's like Um, when I did that poll if the people would rather have like famous cases or like local small small, not very hard cases and it was probably like um well, it's like a 70 30 split most people said small but a lot of people did message in and say that they wanted to hear like the big cases and like yeah i want to do them too but because i'll be honest my podcast list for channels i listen to are small town like i have yeah. a lot of small towns in texas that i follow mm-hmm. and stuff like that and back home i mean big cases are fun but this is I yeah feel like i this mean is your, what big me podcast, like. your big yeah. podcast are good but I don't know. I just love the uniqueness that comes from a small podcast and a small story that you've probably never heard of. Whereas on big podcasts, you tend to hear the same stories over and over. Exactly. And it gets the victims' names out there and it gets, like, the family to hear about it. And I'm sure that feels good to, you know, remember their loved ones. Oh, definitely. But, like we just said, a lot of our content comes from stuff that you guys suggest. I love that. I would really love if me and Crystal could sit down and film a YouTube video of like a Q&A. I know that's a cliche. Ooh, but I love it. I would love that. Um, and we have a lot of exciting and cool things planned. We have one thing that me and Crystal are not going to talk about yet. But we have we don't jinx it coming up. And she's nervous about it. And I told her I wasn't nervous, but I was totally lying. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have some cool things coming up. And we want to be connected as much as possible. Um, so make sure you follow us on Instagram. It's Bayou underscore Chronicles. Twitch. Like Crystal's already mentioned a few times. Once we hit 50 followers on Twitch, we're going to give away some free merch. And we're going to jump back into our Twitch streams finally. Yes. So be prepared. So you can find us on there. And shout out to YouTube. We've gotten like 10 subscribers in the past week. I mean, um, it's all because of one video, yeah. but, you know, whatever. <laughs> but you can find us on YouTube, though, and Twitch at Bayou Chronicles, one word. I think on YouTube it's Bayou Chronicles Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, thanks for that. And today, Crystal is going to be talking about a pretty dark and disturbing story. I did not look at the schedule for today. Um, Crystal told me not to, so... I said, you just worry about everything else. I got the research on this one. I'm going in this blind, but I know that we have said this before, and we will probably say it again, but there will be... We'll be talking about cannibalism and rape. We do totally give, like, a warning before we start talking about it, so... Here's your warning. They're not trigger warnings. They're content warnings. But let's get started. I'm going to pass it on over to Crystal. Okay, so this is your last warning to bail before we get started. So I'm going to be honest. When I first heard this case, I was a little surprised that I never, like, heard or read about it during my, like, teenage obsession with true crime stage that I feel like everyone went on. Um... Which, side note, I do hate calling them cases. Like, I feel like I always stumble over that because it feel like it dehumanizes the individuals and victims 
that are involved. Um, so I'm pretty open to suggestions if someone has something. Sometimes I'll just call them stories. I don't know. I just don't like saying cases. It seems very clinical. Um, anyway, so today I want to talk about Issei Sagawa. I know I probably butchered that because I'm Japan. Japanese is not my thing. But I kind of put the phonics on it and looked up. And that is how I heard it say said. So Issei Sagawa. It's Japanese. So it is Japanese. He it is, looks like a very Native American name, if that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure, Bethany, like everyone else, when I say cannibalism and people think about Jeffrey Dahmer, of course, um, some people will think about the Donner Party, which is you, which is weird because the Donner Party is what I think of more than I think of Jeffrey Dahmer when I think about cannibalism, but that's just me. Um, but since 2010, there have been over 30 documented instances of cannibalism across the world. That's, since 2010. That's disturbing. I know, it's a lot. So honestly, it's not as rare as one would think. Uh, the one instance that I most clearly remember myself was when a Reddit user named Incredibly Shiny Shart Y'all know I'm addicted to Reddit and everything I do is Reddit. But he posted three years ago about how he and his friends ha basically had once asked the question, if you could ethically eat human flesh, would you do it? Would you? Respectfully, hell no. <laughs> but, like, also shout out to Reddit because I was telling Crystal a lot of our YouTube uh, traffic, like, a week ago was because she was just posting us randomly on Reddit. So shout out to Reddit. Because I was like, we just had a spike of 20% of people on YouTube from Reddit. Well, it's because I had said something. Okay, sidebar. It's because I posted something kind of controversial in the Shreveport Reddit about our Shreveport case with uh, Martha, Martha Morgan. Morgan. And this dude who had absolutely no invested interest in it at all was like, didn't even know the case. Like, read one article about it and was like well why don't you trust the police and the and the what the guy that did the autopsy the, the coroner the, the coroner examiner. yeah the medical well, because examiner first and i was like people, because it was sketch you don't always have to believe and trust in the cops i hate to be that person yeah and so that's really where it came from and people were like dude like why are you so invested in this and then people were like "Ooh, i want to go listen and so that's kind of how i think i did so thank you a lot of it so thanks guys but anyway, incredibly shiny Shart asked the question to his friends, would you ethically eat human flesh? And I told Tyler I wasn't going to give my answer on this on the podcast, but kind of just changed my mind. If I could ethically do it, I think I would. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm judging y'all. I am judging. But, like, but it's ethically. Like, it's not like I wouldn't kill someone. Y'all could hate me for it. But I mean, there's someone out there, obviously him and his friends, they did it. And basically what happened is he was getting his foot amputated because he was in a bad motorcycle accident. And okay. his, he, he had to get his foot amputated. Okay. So the doctor had him sign all of this paperwork and he was able to take the foot home with him. Okay. They, it is his. It is his. It's so. his body part. They have like a little funeral for the foot and like put it in a box and took pictures. That's so and It's hilarious. But... They had, I think it was like seven friends, and which the fact that he had seven, seven friends, friends who would do this with him jealous, blows yeah. my mind. Um, but they made tacos and oh put like God. green like peppers and stuff in it, and they literally shared his foot. So the foot though, there's not that much meat on it. It wasn't a lot of meat. It was like literally one taco per person. He said only one person out of the group couldn't like finish it. And swallow it. He had to spit it out. But everybody else ate it. They kind of said it tasted like buffalo. So. My stomach literally hurts right now. The yeah. fact he ate his own foot. He ate a taco. He ate a taco. Shiny. Incredibly shiny fart. Shart. Shart. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> ain't a taco. I'm. I feel like you're lying to me right now. I'm not. This like, is... I can show you the pictures. I believe on you, but my mind internally is saying this is not true. No, Even it's though true. I believe you. It's true. 
No. But, I mean, I'm also different, though. Like, a big chunk of my life, I was a vegetarian. I still kind of, I just eat Taco Bell, so I'm lying right now. I just had a chicken chalupa. (laughs) But it's probably not even real chicken. But I have a hard time eating animals sometimes. Like, I really, like, have to be in the mood for it, especially the older I've gotten. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, that's just an animal. Like, I don't think I could eat another human being. Even if it was my friend's foot and it was a taco. But I'm also not going to judge somebody. I mean, if you're out there killing somebody and gnawing on their ankle, I'm definitely judging you. But if it was a situation like this, I mean, why wouldn't try it? I wouldn't, but I'll be like, go team. Go team. Eat the taco. Eat the taco. Eat the taco foot. Uh, which was funny because someone, like, the very like, the number one comment on that Reddit post was a user whose name was, um, like, Eat Feets. <laughs> and there was someone after that whose name was Taco Feets. It brings a new um, pun to, or not really a pun, but, like, people that fetishize feet. Oh, yeah. Which is a whole other... Um, thing because I recently found out the reason people have feet fetishes is because the part of your brain that has like your likes and dislikes is very very close to the part of your body that like controls your like the part of your brain that controls your feet and so they theorize that sometimes those synapses like cross and that's why people have foot fetishes but anyway now that i just like ruined everything about feet and tacos for you um the major part of that story was that consent was apparent people were aware of they were what they were eating and the person whose body part was being eaten consented to having all of that done so isei was born in kobe japan in 1949 he was a small kid like small small kid by standards he was born prematurely in a documentary that i found way too intriguing um with vice he say told interviewers that he always felt different and that he was from another planet like he just felt like out of place growing up like it was never like he just didn't feel like he was a normal kid he claims that he felt loved as a child by his parents, but that he, and that he was raised like what he considered to be typical. Like he was raised outside, his family was outside, but and he felt loved, but he just felt different. As he grew up as a grown man, he would only grow to a whopping four feet nine inches. Oh wow! Um, so small, tea tiny man. So when I said small, I meant small. Um. His family was also incredibly wealthy. Um, this is important. And he had a top-notch education at what I am pronouncing as Wako University in Tokyo. It would actually be here that he met his uh, the first woman that he was so obsessed with that he wanted to consume. And kind of first put his plan into motion to kill her. He claims that this sexual perversion, which is his words, not mine, started around the time that he hit puberty. He grew up in a household that never mentioned sex, and I know this is something that's big in Japan that they don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, they never even like talked to him about his body. So when he had his first erection, when he was young he thought that he was sick like something was wrong with him oh my god poor baby and he was completely unaware of what masturbation was so this led led to him finding pretty taboo ways of satisfying the surge and i y'all can watch the documentary but i ain't i ain't telling y'all that part it was a little weird for me when he was in school in tokyo He met a young German woman who was tutoring him in the German language. And it would not be long before this close interaction with her led to him planning how he was going to kill and eat her. (laughs) Just like, why why is that your first thought? Oh, this lady's really nice to me and I like her. Let me kill and eat her. I mean, I don't know. According to Issei, this was not the first woman that he looked at and wanted to eat. 
but she was the first that he had actually thought through a plan and wanted to carry out a plan on. Okay. He was so fixated on her body and the way it looked, and he also was obsessed with what he kind of calls like the Western women. So think very like European looking okay. women is what he was obsessed with. Uh, I guess he just, he just wanted that look or wanted to eat that look, unfortunately. After gathering up enough courage to attack his German tutor, he carefully snuck through the window of her apartment. And it was summer at this point, so it's very likely that she was sleeping with her windows open. I'm not sure if Japan in the 70s was like other countries that don't have AC. I tried looking it up, but found that in that I found that most places currently in Japan only have like individual units, maybe in like the living room. That's how it was. Yeah, and if if that's the case, I'm pretty sure it's quite common for people to sleep with their windows open. And I have in my notes to ask you about if that's how it was like for y'all in Guam, if they mm-hmm. had AC at all. Yeah, because I've explained I explained it. I think I've talked about it actually on here. I've explained to Crystal though that. When we lived in Guam, I mean, we lived in Guam, and um, the houses are pretty much the same, but our landlord was from Japan, and he actually built the house on Guam, so it was, like, Japanese-style. Like, I was telling Crystal, we didn't have closets. Mm-hmm. We had, like, cabinets that opened up, and it was Japanese themes, and then our lights weren't lights. They were lanterns, mm-hmm. and the house didn't actually come with AC. We had our landlord put in, like, the little units in each room. So, if you wanted to go, like, to bed, you'd have to go in your bed, like, ten minutes before and turn it on and let it cool the room down or it would be, like, really hot. So, I'm, they probably, I'm going to just guess that they don't have AC. Yeah, I mean, like, I have in here, too, that when I was in Austria, my host family only had AC in their living room. Yeah. That was it. And we slept with the windows open, and even though it was hot during the day... Like at nighttime, it cooled down so much with the breezes. It does that yeah. it, it did. It and just they also kept don't cool. have dishwashers. They don't have ice makers. Like we think about that for us in the America now, we're I'm gonna say it, we're very spoiled because oh, yeah, it was culture shock to the max. Definitely. So I was willing to bet that she was sleeping with her windows open because it probably made sense and it was so hot. And she, this is kind of a side thing, but she was sleeping naked. So not which not Tyler's not gonna make fun of how I just said that naked, word. Naked, yeah. But you know, Tyler, when you listen to this, you can hate me. As he snuck into her room, Issei was going over his plan on how he was gonna kill her and everything that he was gonna do with her body. Fortunately, the universe had other plans for him. Suddenly, this woman woke up and found him in her room. She screamed what I'm sure was a blood-curdling scream, and he fled from her apartment. It wouldn't be long, though, before the police arrested him for attempted rape. I mean, she got a look at him by that point. And it's not like these charges were going to stick. His family was able to offer a settlement in order to have the charges dropped. And that's what happened. And he had to go see a psychiatrist. And while he was in that psychiatrist appointment, or with that psychiatrist, he was very open about his sexual fetishes and his desire to eat someone. However, his father had that covered up, hiding that part of his confession. Of course, because they have a lot of money. Yes. Eventually, he made the move to Paris to attend the Sorbonne, I suck at French, so I'm sorry if I butchered that. Uh, To study comparative literature. So he's kind of a bougie dude. While there, he never really forgot what he wanted, and that was to basically have a woman and possess them. In particular, he felt this way towards a woman um, that he had met who had what he described as a traditional Nordic appearance. In 1981, he interacted with her, and her name was Renee Hartfelt. Renee was a brilliant scholar who was on track to receive her Ph.D. in French French literature at only 25 years old, which made me feel very... So he's very much into, like, Viking women, like, um, European... Yeah, just, like, European. Maybe not necessarily, like, 
I guess Nordic is a great thing, but like imagine just tall, not his height. Yeah. Um, and then in 81, he was like 31 at this point. So he'd been there for a while. Yeah. Um, but she was young and they attended school together. It was at the school that Renee would meet him for the first time. And in an article written about him, Catherine Ramsland writes that he mentions that when he sat next to her for the first time, he instantly fell in love with her and her, quote, white skin. Anyway, he knew immediately that she was his next victim and knew that he had to figure out what the plan was. How they were going to, how he was going to eat her, basically. And he was so determined that this time he was not going to fail. It's really scary that his family knows he has these urges and he's done stuff. And they just prefer to mm-hmm. like push buy, it the, buy the people off rather than get their son help. Yep. Yep. The shared intelligence between the two of them was something that Issei said brought them together. They started a just an innocent friendship that he played into heavily. And this was really part of his whole fantasy. It was allowing him to be with this woman whom he felt had a power over him. That was really his thing. Like He liked them over him, basically. As they became closer the amount of time they spent together obviously increased and it wouldn't be uncommon for him to visit Renee at her place for tea I have to imagine that during this time he had to be showing some sort of red flags and I can also imagine Renee dismissing them quite easily because I mean after all he's small he's four foot nine he talks really soft he has you know small hands he's incredibly smart you know, the red flags that she saw, she probably just dismissed them as him being, like, very eccentric. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I would have done the same thing. And it makes sense to me that she does that. Because most people want to assume the best in someone else. You're not going to assume that somebody's stalking you because they want to eat you. Exactly. I mean, that's not it, my th- first That's thought. not the first thing that you think of, no. Yeah. So, Issei furthered his you know, web weaving by inviting Renee over for dinner at his place. And after what he says was a very pleasant dinner, he had Renee read a poem to him in German. After they both retired for the evening, he had become so intoxicated by her presence that evening that he stated that he licked and smelled the seat that she sat in all night to, in a way to like capture her essence. It's just creepy. Some men should just not exist. Yeah. I mean, I swear to... He's... uh, I just want to gag just thinking about it. I swear he is, like, the basis of every TV killer. I mean, if that's your thing. But... That's just, like, a whole new level of just, like, breaking boundaries. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't even, like, sit in a seat without you licking it. Ugh. I can't imagine. I really can't. Mm. Um, nonetheless, though, he wanted, he was just intent on consuming her. Like, that was his thing. Which is slightly confusing to me because I am curious. And if someone can tell me the difference, I, you know, I didn't research this too much. But I am con- curious about the difference between cannibalism as a sexual fetish and vorophilia, which is basically like from what I looked up, which is the erotic desire to be consumed or consume another. So, like, I mean, some people do like uh, vampirism, where they like literally feed on each other's blood, and that's yeah. their thing. That's their they're being yeah. consumed. And so, like, I guess, like, I'm thinking they seem very similar to each other in both the sense that they they have like a focus on possessing another person in a way i can see because that's very taboo that's very like because that's like adrenaline it, rushing yeah and it's also very vague to say that i want to consume, consume you, you. Like, like how consume you metaphorically how? physically eating my foot on a taco yeah but like his is creepy because if we go out and eat a burger that's just because our body needs sustenance yeah we need nourishment for eating 
but I'm not going to go out in a field and lick a cow because I am so desperate to butcher that cow and make it into a burger. Yeah, and that I can't wait for it to be so into a burger. So his is definitely, to... I mean, I can see people that don't, I mean, it's just like, it's probably like a a bonding thing maybe for yeah. some people. Like, not necessarily, like I said, like drinking blood. A lot of people do that, actually. Yeah. It is like a way to bond, but his is like, he is just wants to eat people yeah and i feel like vor is very fantasy and in your head yeah and it's very like mental they might not even do it it's just the thought it's of just yeah, thinking the thought of, yeah. like not even necessarily maybe eating isn't even what they think about they just think about the idea of like being consuming one. yeah like yeah. being one like y'all just being joined together as yeah. one i can see that or His like swallowing just... you kind of thing like that that feeling of like them like let's say with like being consumed you have them everywhere around you all at one time and they're like he gives me very much i agree with you but he gives me very much panty sniffing vibes oh 100 percent. which if you do that it's good good for you you. but this breaks that's where it stays for most people but he is sniffing the panties and then going and eating the stuff that goes in the panty and not in the way (laughs) That went really dirty. I didn't mean that (laughs) way, but you get what I'm putting down. We all get what you're saying. But I don't know. I don't know. It's It's a little weird. It's a little weird. But it wasn't long before Issei had Renee start to come back over to his house. Um, He This time he told her this big lie about how their professor wanted them to do a recording of a German poem in German. Um, this was all a ruse to get her in his home, honestly. He had prepared his home to do exactly what he was planning, like, had everything planned out. He readied his rifle, his rifle that he had purchased years before when he first moved to Paris because he wanted it for protection, but it's also very weird to me that someone who wanted a gun for protection would purchase a rifle. rifle and they're so loud, too. Exactly. Because I'm just sitting here thinking, wouldn't you just get, like, a little handgun? Like... Isn't that what most of us have in our homes? Or a knife? I'm I'm saying most of us, but, like, we live in the South. I had 12-gauge shotgun. I know, but, like... But, yeah, I get it. Your your primary home protection weapon for most people is a handgun because it's easy. And I also grew up on a farm, so if they were going to take the time to come out in the boondocks and go down our long driveway, like, they deserve something. You wanted something, and you ain't going to get it. But anyway... He ready the little area. He readied his rifle. He added some whiskey to her tea, and he joined her on the floor because he had everything set out in, like, a traditional Japanese fashion of, like, doing tea. So everything's on the floor. Mm-hmm. He joined her down there, and that was when he officially confessed his feelings to her and told her that he loved her. Now, she rejected him, saying that she found him very interesting and intelligent, but that she was just not attracted to him. Which is fair. I mean, I can see that, but why is she spending so much time with him? I mean, maybe they were just, just friends. friends. I, yeah, I guess. Maybe they were just friends. Um, after recovering from this blow, he had her sit down and start reading this poem out loud so that he could just record it and she could go home was basically what he was saying. Yeah, because that's awkward. He just got rejected. Yeah, I and like wanna... now we have to do our school assignment, which is you have to record this thing. So as she was sitting there, he was, he kind of snuck up behind her and shot her in the back of the head. Well, like in her neck. And in the documentary with Vice, Issei mentions that when he shot her, he was nervous, but he shot her. And that she kept talking at first. What? And then all of a sudden, she collapsed forward onto the desk that she was sitting at. And then the weight of her body made her fall onto the ground. And that she was bleeding a lot, obviously. And it started getting really messy, and he didn't like that. So... He put a towel underneath her head to try to, like, stop the blood. But then it got so much blood that he just gave up. Why is he trying to 
I mean, he was trying to kill her. Why is he doing all that? I don't know. I mean, maybe probably just a mess. I don't... Maybe. I don't know. It was weird. Either way, he immediately got to work undressing her and carrying out his plan. So this is kind of graphic, you guys. This is another warning. He knew what he wanted to do. Oh, we just hit the Taco Bell bag. <laughs> he knew what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. He had thought long and hard about it. His plan was to start with her butt. Like, that's what he wanted the most. Um, that's the part he liked, and that's what he wanted. Okay. He, his first attempt was to just bite into it with his teeth. Um, and he wanted to make sure it was the right side, not the left, because he was afraid that if you bit into the left one, since it's closer to the heart, there would be more blood. So he wanted to start with the left side. I did right not side. even think that. Neither I did had not I. think that far in a bite in somebody's uh, uh, butt cheek. No, and that was that's how I knew that he had thought about this long Way and hard. too much. Well, when he first bit into it, it proved harder than he thought it would be and honestly that's info i never needed to know that it's harder thick. you know how many layers of skin we have yeah but i never really thought about it like he did that's weird um but apparently the butt cheek is really hard for someone to bite into anyway he failed at that and so he moved on to just trying to cut some of her skin with a fruit knife that he had oh, but it proved not to be not sharp enough to cut through the skin if you i'm sorry this dude he's supposed to be really smart if you just bit in with your teeth and your mouth is actually really strong mm -hmm. what makes you think a fruit knife is gonna cut through i'm sorry i don't know but anyway after this failure he decided to go to the store and he purchased a curved meat knife oh my God. in order to cut through um, this would work, and um, again, he goes into graphic detail, and you can read that elsewhere of what it was like when he first cut into it and what his reaction was, um, but he decided that he was going to cut out his favorite parts and store them in the fridge, so like her thighs, her breast, her lips, Wait tongue. a minute, wait a minute, lips. Yes. Um... Yeah, I'm thinking about this too much because yeah, I'm just thinking about what I would start with. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want to be that person. I no, and don't I'm think gonna about say it. it. It was thighs, but now I think about myself differently now that I just sat here and thought about the first part of a person that you'd eat. I guess. Yeah, it cut. I don't know. Um, well, I'm not sure how much you or our listeners know about the body, but apparently in most spots, it takes a lot to actually get to the red muscle part of the body. Ugh. Um, and so a lot of what he was cutting into at first was fat, and it grosses me so much to think about that, like how he had to do, because he goes into detail talking about how... It took him a lot longer than he thought it was going to take in order to get to what he... Because he didn't want to eat the fat. He wanted the red meat. We really should have had Zach on for this episode because he watched both of my C-sections. Uh-huh. And he taught... Like, he tried to... I just almost threw it in my mouth. He's tried to describe to me what it looked like and even, like, the smell because they, like, uh -huh. burn you. And you don't realize how much you have to cut into somebody's seen, body. Like I have watched oh. them, and it is a I lot. Couldn't. Like all I the couldn't. different layers mm -hmm. that you have to go Ooh. to and see it. But I don't know what that smell no. smells like, Little and that's the only thing I'm okay with not smelling. I was passed out, and I'm so thankful I was. <laughs> it's a lot. It's it, it. So imagine that, but like somewhere chunky, like no. the thighs. No. Uh -uh. Oh god. So I'll be honest. You can very easily oh. look up pictures of Renee. After she was mutilated. Oh my god, poor woman. Why? Like, Why? it is very, they're very, very graphic. I do not recommend it, but if you do decide to watch the documentary from Vice, they do show them to you. Honestly, that bothers me when they put pictures like the. I know why they do that, so like people have awareness and can see and mm -hmm. stuff like this, but. I'm sitting here thinking about, like, what if something happened to our family member, and then their yeah. picture's just out there like that on the internet, and it bothers me so bad. Which is why I am not posting them on social media either. If you want to see them, you can go look. I just don't recommend it. It's very, very graphic. 
Issei wrote in what he marketed as a fictional account of what happened, how he, and I'm saying it's very loosely fictional, it's basically him saying this is all fiction, but it's basically like him a, telling like what, what he did. Kinda. Yeah. Um, he wrote about how she tasted Ugh. and what it looked like as he cut into her. Ugh. He even went as far as describing how her body reacted to him having sex with it. After she was dead? After she was dead. Um, there's a lot more that he did to her that I don't really feel comfortable talking about. I'll probably mention some of it to Bethany afterwards because it's really rough. Oh, but, good. Um, yeah, I just you know, make oh, sure good. we get the full, full effect. Oh. Um, but I don't really feel like this is the place to be said. I mean, I'm going to tell you one thing, and it's like the only thing that I could manage to say. Um, but <laughs> he was so intrigued by her butthole that he cut it off ate it but couldn't stand the smell so he spit it out oh duh duh, right um so if that is bad imagine the rest actually don't even imagine don't even look just take what i said for granted and know that this guy is a sick freak my stomach hurts but like also that how is this dude so smart and he literally sounds like the biggest idiot i've ever heard of in my life you shouldn't have to be you shouldn't have to put, oh my god, chop, I can't say this. Chop a butthole out of somebody's body and eat it and then realize, oh, this tastes bad. I, and yeah, I don't. He's a lot. He's a lot. Um. Well, after he had her, um, he had not only taken all the parts from her body and her whole life, he decided that it was time to dismember her after two days because there were flies around her body. So he placed her in two suitcases that he bought specifically for this act and in a rather strange mood decided that it was time to call a cab to take him to a local park in order to dispose of her. Wouldn't that be wasteful though? I mean, wouldn't you want to eat as much of her? Well, we had a a bunch of his favorite parts in the fridge. Gotta remember this part. So weird. But I guess whatever works. Issei even remarked that when the cab driver picked him up and picked up the suitcases, he joked with him and asked why the suitcases were so heavy and if he had a body in them. When do you smell it? That's what I wanted to know. Once the cab driver got him to the park, he had to find a way to now get rid of the body in the two suitcases. What he did not take into account was that it was Paris in the summer and mm. it's still daylight at 8 p.m. Mm. It is normal for the sun to not set until 10 p.m. in the summer. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something I looked up. In the middle of July, which is what we're in now, the sun does not set until close to 10. So it's mm-hmm. pretty daylight. So as he was getting out of the cab, he was it was a weird sight to see. I mean, it's a crowded park and a small man carrying two giant, obviously heavy suitcases in broad daylight is kind of strange. And you, I, I'm convinced that he was not thinking straight. Like, he was too wrapped up in the whole thing. Had her body been found in the park, which, I mean, it was, but had it been found, like, he had disposed of it, and then that found, the cab driver could have easily placed him there. Like, I don't I'm, feel like he was thinking through the whole process of how to get away with this. I've never understood body dumping because why wouldn't you burn it, do something with it, hide it, take it somewhere else? Exactly. Unless, you know, they're either dumb, like this dude really is like the dumbest smart person ever. No or, common sense. Or normally when they do that, they want to be found. Like they are yeah. lashing out and want to be caught and killed or whatever. Yeah. Well, Issei was searching for a quiet place to drop the bags and dump the body. He wanted, he was looking at a pond in the park, but was kind of freaked out by the amount of people that were staring at him because he's basically just walking around this park with two giant suitcases. That's kind of weird. It's paranoia. Yeah. In an attempt to ditch the suitcases, Issei left them just, just as a couple was walking by and saw them and because he had like laid one down basically so that he could kind of like pull one away and somebody walked over and found this and they were like oh what is this and when they went to go open it 
surprise. Jesus. They saw that. Um, he says in the interview with Vice that the, part, the God that opened it asked him if this was his bag. And he freaked out, said no, and ran away. Also, why is the stranger walking over to you and opening it? I don't know. It's really weird. I read somewhere else that a hand was hanging out of it. Oh, my God. But I didn't find that anywhere else. That's I only found that on one place. But that was a little, that's all I'd found. Um, so it was weird. Before the police had a chance to arrive, Issa was back in his apartment, freaked out, but started to consume his favorite parts of Renee again. Oh. Um, that he had saved. I'm telling you, this man is insane. Like, they were in his refrigerator, on plates. Um, inside, it wasn't long before the police were able to track him down, and they began to search his apartment, and honestly, it was very obvious what had happened. And they were able to find several pieces of Renee in the fridge, cut up on plates. Issei was very open and honest about what happened. Like, did not try to hide it at all and didn't even make an effort to, like, say, I didn't do this. I mean, you're caught. Why? Exactly. So, this is where Rich Daddy comes back into play. So, he hires his son, a top-of-the-line defense attorney, obviously, who was able to get him ruled as insane. Of course. I mean, but he I mean, kind of he is. is. Yeah. I'm not saying that's not true. I mean, I definitely think he is insane. But, you know, eh, I don't like that sometimes when they're ruled as insane and not held accountable Because they're just put in an insane asylum yes. or some kind of program. Yes. Rehabilitated. Well, the French courts ruled that since he was labeled as insane, that he was unfit to stand trial, and they sentenced him to live in a mental institution for, like, an indefinite amount of time. That was his punishment. It wasn't long before people started coming to visit him in order to get access to his story. And an author named in I'm going to try to say this name again, Inhakiko, Inhakiko, yes, Inhakiko Yamoda did just that, and he interviewed him and published um, a book called In the Fog, which is basically an account of everything that Issei did. This, of course, led to his crime being popularized and shared all around the world. Among the French people, resentment did start to grow due to them feeling like they were basically paying to have him live in this mental institution. I can't say the word today. Institution. Mental institution. There you go. And he was still getting, like, paid for it, basically. He was making money. They were supporting him. And, like, I get it. That would make me feel kind of crappy. Um, in order to look better to the French people, the government decided that they were going to drop the charges against him in order for them to deport him back to Japan. Wow. Well, as a result of this, that meant that the French government would have to seal the documents and they could not be given to Japan. Oh my god. This also meant that Japan could not file charges against Issei because they don't technically have any record of what happened. The best that they could do was when they got him back was put him into a mental mental hospital. However, they had nothing to keep him there. Due to this loophole, Issei was able to very easily just check himself out of the hospital and live as a free man. And that's exactly what he did. After his release, he was more than happy to tell whoever would listen about his life and crime he wanted to openly talk about cannibalism and what it meant to him. Issei has gone as far as make a couple of documentaries, TV shows. He's written books that literally are on eBay and Amazon right now for like 200 bucks. Um, most famously, he starred in a couple of pornographic films in Japan. Dude, the balls on this man. Yes. I mean, this dude is do- willing to do anything to make money. If it isn't obvious already, Issei has some kind of, like, sick sense of pride when it comes to his crimes to me. Um, In the Vice documentary, he talks about how he knows he has hurt a lot of people. But I don't understand how you can know that you hurt people, yet revel in the horrendousness of it all. Like, how can you know that what you did was horrible, but think, hmm... He's a sociopath. I want to make money off of it. He's literally a sociopath. He has no 
no emotions, no, I mean, he has emotions, but no, no sense of others' emotions. Yeah. Currently, Issei is alive at age 72, and he kind of still talks about his life as a cannibal. He is completely isolated from people for the most part, as they don't really want to be associated with him. He says that he still thinks about eating women often, and that he in the past has used masturbation as a way to curb those feelings but it doesn't work for him anymore like he can't do he can't masturbate anymore and so now he just has those feelings and no way to stop them if that doesn't scare you i don't know what would because that really freaks me out he quite boldly says that he is scared of these urges um because he has no way to suppress them he mentions that he now often thinks more about how he wants to die rather than people that he wants to eat and that his fantasy currently is to be tortured and killed by a beautiful woman. Like that's how he wants to go. So not much has been heard from him in the past few years. He suffered some damage to his nervous system and now requires daily care. One of his last comments to the media that I found a little strange um, was that he was feeling some sense of remorse, I guess is the best way you could describe it. It's not really remorse. I think he's just, he doesn't like the consequences that he has suffered from his actions and he's trying to get pity. He tells Japan today that when it comes to Renee, that he just wanted to eat her he didn't want to kill her he just wanted to eat her and he couldn't figure out how to do one without the other he even wonders if he (laughs) he even wonders if he had just been able to like drink her urine or eat her pub or her pubic hairs if he might have just been okay with that but he was too nervous and didn't know how to ask to do that my eyes literally twitching. So he just decided to just kill her and eat her. Man. So basically, it left him with no option to kill. Oh. Um, to me, that sounds like a cop out. Um, I think he really did just want to eat her. Um, in his last interview with Japan Today, he tells them that despite this weird type of remorse that he has, he still has obsessive feelings toward women, in particular, a woman that he sees on TV every morning at home. So, I guess a Japanese media person, which is kind of creepy. I'd be worried if I were, I mean, he's 72. He's 72, and he has daily care. But this is pretty much where the story ends. It's strange, weird, and very graphic. If you want to learn more, check out the Vice interview. It's about 30 minutes long. And there's also a documentary that came out in 2017 called Cannaba. Um... Which basically documents Issei uh, and like his younger brother who takes care of him. Who, side note, has his own kind of kinky fetishes. Like, just think like barbed wire and oh, no. your skin no. kind of thing. Uh-uh. So, it's, um, oh, it's interesting. So, they're an interesting little family. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got for you. I'm sorry that i told you absolutely nothing about this going into it um yeah Woo. welcome back yeah that um, was makes me depressed for a week oh man not even that just like just the thought that there's people there's a lot probably a lot of people out there like that there is and i mean i looked when i looked up just the 2010 to now you know, documented things of cannibalism. It was, there was one, a guy in Japan who cut off his genitals and cooked them and served them to people who paid oh to eat them. Like, they paid $250 oh a plate. Oh, my God. Um, Have yeah. you heard of Pain Olympics? No. Okay, so my husband tainted me. He, well, he was my boyfriend at the time we were in high school. It was some kind of website that you could go on where people were doing stuff for themselves and explicit um this dude takes a wood board puts his 
genitals on it and puts a nail through it, like live on on. Oh my god! On the computer, and I don't think I've ever been saved. And it's just like people doing stuff to see how much pain they, they can, can cause. Yeah, and how much they can take. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah. So pain Olympics. Yeah. So that's basically people are weird. That's what we're coming up to. Yep. And a lot of people will probably like this episode. Yeah. If y'all like this episode, don't be my friend. Maybe seek therapy. We'll still be friends with you, but... Bethany will be friends with you. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) It's interesting. So, I'm sorry if I triggered anyone. I'm also very sorry if this was way deeper and darker than you wanted it to be. But... Um, I don't know what to say. Yep. That's that was, like a, that was an interesting episode. Yeah. So, um, I promise you next week will not be as dark and deep and really gruesome. And I'm going to try my hardest to not have a gruesome episode for at least a month. Good. That sounds like a good... I'm going to try really hard. Good strategy. I'm going to try to make, like, the one, like, the next couple to just be, like... Tame. Tame in the true crime era tame even though we're talking about death but you get what we're putting down yeah we're not gonna talk about people eating each Each other other. like if i do another cannibalism case it might be a while before i do it incredibly shiny shark and yeah foot tacos and buttholes and (laughs) we're not gonna talk about that i promise oh man but anyway i hope you guys i don't want to say enjoyed this episode because that sounds really weird i hope you enjoyed your time with us and learning something new and facts and yes. the part of history that you might not have known and yeah. wish you didn't know now. Yeah. But thanks for hanging out with us for an hour of your time. We appreciate all of you listening and hanging out with us. Um, and I am personally glad that Bethany is back. This is so much fun. I'm very, very happy and glad to be back. <laughs> Well, let's get this thing edited so we can put it on up and everyone can enjoy it. I hope you guys have a great night. Bye.